Hello and wherever you are today, the Lord be with you. I'm David Brook, hub leader in the Chapelfields Hub Parish of Church Wigan. It's Saturday the 29th of August and as we come towards the end of this series of summer reflections, I'd like to share with you some thoughts uh, from a book I've been reading on holiday combined with some verses from Paul's letter to the Colossians. So I'll read those verses from Colossians first. It's chapter 3 verses 15 to 17 and chapter 4 verses 2 to 6. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, just before we set off on holiday, I finally began reading a book that I'd been very much looking forward to. I love Lynn Truss's writing, and I have done ever since she wrote Eats, Shoots and Leaves, The Zero Tolerance Approach to Punctuation, back in 2007. That book appealed to the proofreader in me, but that story can wait for another occasion. In the meantime, I'd also enjoyed her distinctly quirky Constable Twitten novels set in Brighton in the late 1950s, in which the police station charlady, Mrs Groins, turns out to be in charge of all organised crime in Brighton. And it was while I was downloading the latest in that series to my Kindle that I hit on her book, Tennyson's Gift. Click, and there it was, waiting to delight me at some point during this break. In a way, Tennyson's Gift fits into a genre of novel that doesn't really have a name, as far as I know. Like others of its kind, it takes elements of the true stories of writers, artists and musicians, and weaves fiction around them. In this case, the people at the centre of the novel, set in 1864, are all living in or visiting freshwater near the Needles on the Isle of Wight. Over the course of the novel, their lives become tangled, and untangled again in gloriously funny ways. The main protagonists are Alfred, Lord Tennyson, the Poet Laureate, Charles Dodgson, otherwise known as Lewis Carroll, Mrs Julia Margaret Cameron, a pioneering photographer, G. F. Watts, an allegorical painter sometimes referred to as England's Michelangelo, his wife Ellen Terry, the 16-year-old actress and prodigy, and the legendary American phrenologist Lorenzo Fowler. And around these are woven a wonderful cast of minor figures, many of them also real, making up their families and their households. It's quite a brilliant idea, really. You bring together a whole load of Victorian lovies, all with their very particular passions and oddities, and throw them into the middle throw into the middle of them a man like Fowler, 
whose stock in trade was feeling people's bumps, in quotes, to predict their characters. Lorenzo Fowler was just as real as the rest of the characters. He and his brother Orson were famous phrenologists. His wife Lydia, who also makes a dramatic appearance, was a pioneering doctor and activist, and the first woman, American woman that is, to obtain a medical degree. And their daughter Jessie, a key character in the book, followed in both their footsteps. The book is quite surreal at times. Jessie hilariously describes Dodgson as a fiendish pedagogue, which isn't quite what she meant, but probably also true. The goings-on in Mrs Julia Cameron's garden inspired Dodgson with material for the Alice books, and Tennyson, dirty and unkempt, that bit's true too, ploughs through the middle of it all, reading his own poetry at length to anyone who sits still for too long. Of course, Lorenzo and Jesse function to get us thinking differently about the foibles of the various characters, and they take us into the language of the pseudoscience of phrenology. All the rage in the late Victorian era, but now thoroughly debunked, thankfully. Just so you know, in the 1930s, the Belgian colonial authorities in Rwanda used phrenology to try to explain why the Tutsis were superior to the Hutus. That's how dangerous it can be. Anyway, back to the book. Lorenzo and Jesse talk in terms of the 33 so-called organs to be found in the head, all of which can supposedly be felt by a blindfolded expert. They come with names such as the organ of amativeness, the organ of firmness, the organ of self-love, and the organ of adhesiveness. Plenty of scope for humour there. There's an organ of hope, and an organ of caution, and so on. One of the characters clearly has far too much hope, and far too little caution, but I won't say who, to avoid plot spoilers. So why am I telling you all of this? It's not just because I think you'd enjoy the book, but I do think that. Here's the one plot spoiler. Jessie, with the innocence and imagination of an eight-year-old child, finds herself wondering why there is no organ of gratitude in the scheme of phrenology. It's an idea that takes hold in her head and excites her. But what that left me thinking was simply this. For the Christian, gratitude isn't a virtue that could ever be limited to a bump on your head. A phrenological organ that is naturally larger in some people than others. It isn't something that can be traded off for other qualities. No, Christian gratitude, or thankfulness, as most translations of Colossians put it, that is Eucharistia in Greek, that's central. It isn't only about the mind, it's one of those things we should all be living out with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. Sometimes it comes naturally, sometimes it takes more effort. But gratitude is a whole person thing, and it's how we direct our lives not just a response to good things done to or for us. So while it might be a nice idea to be told that you have a pronounced organ of gratitude, Jesse was wrong. It's more than just the result of a bump on the back of your head. So would you like to join me in praying as we finish? And together with disciples of Jesus across Wigan, throughout Liverpool Diocese and around the world, we pray in the words that Jesus taught us, and I'd encourage you to use the form most familiar to you. 
Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. May God bless you today and every day.